0: oh, he hits the upright again!
1: That's impossible. The Bears' season's going to end on a double doink, doink, doink. Live in the entertainment capital
2: of the
0: world. That's what you want to know. It's the TC Martin Show. Yeah, I don't know. An idea.
1: <laughs> Diagnosis. I had an idea, and then uh, prognosis. Yeah, I take the serious. Osmosis. Well, it's it funny? It wasn't. It wasn't funny. I wasn't laughing about it. Yeah. It's not funny. It's not fun. Nothing's funny. Don't you ever talk about me. Yeah, I don't know that idea. That's the result you're
0: going get. It's The Doctor, T.C. Martin. I don't
1: go out there and laugh,
0: laugh. The Doctor is now
1: in. Good Tuesday afternoon to you. Every time I say Tuesday afternoon, I think about the Moody Blues. I don't know, that'll make Frank happy. I like the Moody Blues as well, too, see? Very versatile, eclectic musical choices I have. All right, glad to have you with us here at Tuesday. You know what that means, terrible Tuesday takes and thoughts. We've got plenty of that for you. We'll get kicking into that today. And also uh, the Raiders making some cuts today, getting down to their uh, roster limit of 80 right now. So they'll get down to 53 here in a couple weeks, but uh, some cu- roster cuts today made. We've got uh, that, and we've got some great guests lined up today. The coach, Houston Nutt, will be joining us. The former Ole Miss, Arkansas, Boise State head coach, does a fantastic job on the CBS Sports Network, and uh, with college football on the horizon this weekend, we thought, let's have the coach on, and maybe get a little little barbecue update, too, from down in Houston. So, Houston Nutt will join us today, and the champ, Showtime Sean Porter, the two-time welterweight champ, he is getting ready for his next fight, so appreciate him joining us today, taking some time out of training, and of course... Showtime Sean P part of the PBC Fox broadcast the pay-per-view from last Saturday night Manny Pacquiao losing to your Dennis Ugas and of course Sean Porter defeated Ugas it was the last fight that Ugas lost was to Sean Porter that split decision about a year and a half ago so uh, we know Sean had some thoughts uh, he was one of our guys that made predictions that uh, I posted and tweeted out last week and and Sean thought Manny Pacquiao is going to knock him out within five. And with everyone else talking about distance fight, distance fight, everyone was picking Pacquiao to win. But Sean, who got in the ring with you guys, who's actually sparred with Manny Pacquiao in the past, I was a little bit surprised that he said, hey, yo, no, Manny's going to knock him out within five. So uh, I don't know if I'll bring that up with him today or not. But uh, look always look forward to talking to Showtime, Sean Porter, one of our great friends, and uh, just uh, – Always fun having him on.
2: Well, I think you should bring it up with him. I think you should bring it up with him because, say, okay, so what happened? I mean, has, has, has got improved? Did he have a better game plan? Was Manny being 42 and not fighting in a couple of years? I mean, what exactly happened? Because, you know, you think you have an idea what's going to happen, and then kind of the exact opposite does. So, you know, I mean, hey, we've all made wrong predictions before. Show me somebody who's never made a wrong prediction, and I'll show you somebody who's never put their prediction out there.
1: And that's what I appreciate, too, is that, you know, when I asked him, uh, last weekend, you know, before I, I posted that, I said, you know, because again, he's on the broadcast, he's on the media, you know, in in on this telecast. So I said, hey, is it okay to publish your prediction? And he says, no, absolutely. And I know he appreciated me asking him, but you have to be careful of things like that when you are actually involved in the fight. When your promotion we've seen Al Bernstein refrain from making predictions, you know, when it's a showtime fight, and that was a part of the beauty when we had Al on last Friday saying, No, oh, yeah, I I'm gonna go as a fan, so here I go. I can make my prediction with you. So Yeah, like we don't know if Al likes Jake Paul or Tyrone Woodley. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he likes either one, but bottom line is that's his assignment this week and he's gotta broadcast it. And he likes the undercard. Yeah. You know,
2: which is is interesting because when you have the boxing announcer who's saying, look, you know, I know a lot of people don't go to fights for undercards a lot. This is a card you want to go for the undercard for if you're an actual boxing fan. Right. And then you can see the other three-ring circus aspects
1: of it as well. And we've talked a lot about that, too. They need to do that, especially if Showtime is going to be involved in it. You can't just put out that garbage and, and do the circus fights. You can't because those people will not watch. They're not watching, and that's why they thought, okay we'll have our you know, two comedians on there we'll do the, have them on the play by play that worked out horribly so now they're learning you know what we're Showtime championship boxing, so we have to show championship boxing on our on our broadcast okay we've got this Jake Paul thing we have to do so let's at least you know stack it with either uh, you know a couple minor title fights or something that you know boxing fans are going to tune into you
2: yeah and, and and again, you don't have to put a concert around it and have yeah. more singing and dancing or whatever like heck all that stuff was than the other stuff. And that's for and, the offshoot, and, and, that, yeah, you know, the and, YouTubes and, and, and all and so that, that stuff. That's yeah. what brings in the, the yeah. non-boxing yeah. revenue and fans and everything else. And I also thought it was funny when uh, when Al told uh, Jake Paul that, hey, this is the first time I'm going to be doing one of your fights or watching it, that not going to have a contact yeah. guy right, while I'm doing it. So yeah. guess Snoop Dogg is off this one. But I still wouldn't eat the brownies in the press box.
1: Oh. Good point. All right, uh, we've got NFL news to talk about, uh, too, a little bit later on. Cam Newton, we touched upon it yesterday, unable to practice this week due to a misunderstanding of COVID protocols. So, Matt Jones has the opportunity to possibly win that job. We've got some audio from Bill Belichick. We'll hit on that. But, of course, you know what today is? It's Terrible Tuesday. That's
0: terrible. Things gone wrong in the sporting world that's a terrible idea i want to know what the hell he's smoking something stinks in here that's terrible (laughs) it's terrible tuesday things gone wrong
1: in the
2: sporting world
1: Well, as we know, we had a really busy weekend here in Las Vegas, specifically on Saturday. You had the fight, Manny Pacquiao, your Dennis Ugas, 17,000-plus there. Uh, The Aviators, they had a home game where they drew 7,700 people. They had exciting Uh, games in that. A lot of late-inning heroics going back and forth. The lights played. I, they didn't announce their crowd, but I think it was around probably two or 3,000. And then, of course, the biggest crowd was at SummerSlam, where the WWE came into town on Saturday. Yes, the home of SummerSlam. And as you know, 51,000 people at Allegiant Stadium. People were looking forward to this. It was a four-hour ordeal. Some people thought, well, I didn't know it was going to be that long. But people were pumped up. Wrestling fans were pumped up, ready to see the superstars of wrestling. And you know what can happen when you go to these events. You can get a little bit hungry, you can get thirsty, but that was an issue if you wanted to buy some food or drinks or even alcoholic beverages at Allegiant Stadium on Saturday because the cash registers stopped working into the four-hour ordeal. Yes, there was a glitch in this system where fans couldn't use their credit card. Well, this is a major problem at Allegiant Stadium. You know why? Because it's cash only. or I mean, credit card only. There is no cash. It's a cashless system. And still, we've talked about it at Raider Games, and a lot of people still don't realize that. But when you go to Allegiant Stadium, you have to purchase your food and beverage with a credit card. It's a cashless venue. So, yeah. Actually, this was a nationwide problem. So a lot of people wanted to hate on the Raiders. They wanted to blast Allegiant Stadium. But it was with the company that provides the software for these cash registers. And uh, this also actually happened at a few other stadiums on Saturday night, including Petco Park in San Diego, where it also uh, you know affected the fans there. Now, this problem wasn't fixed until a little bit after 9 p.m. So at least people at Petco Park, they, they got back into the swing of things because I believe their game started a little bit after 7 o'clock. But SummerSlam was long over. I mean the gates opened at 2:30, four o'clock was the first match yep and, and people were exiting the building around eight o'clock but uh, yeah, uh, not a good look for the first time uh, people are going to a Legion Stadium and not being able to uh, purchase anything and the lines were long, it was a nightmare.
2: Well, it was a nightmare, but now I was not there, but from reports I've heard on the news and from some people I knew that were there. There was a saving grace to the whole thing, because after a while, because the crowd was getting so irate in that, they just started handing out food, started handing out food and drinks. I don't know if they were handing out alcoholic beverages or not, but I know that they were handing out some hot dogs and whatever else there. So somebody even tweeted out that they were handing out T-shirts. That was that was fake news, trying to make people that weren't there jealous or something <laughs> like that. But, uh, but yes, yeah, so uh, although there was still no cash involved, there was also no credit cards, but If you were patient enough to wait in the lines, then you might have got some freebies. Now, I don't know if you missed matches while you were waiting for that stuff or whatever, but yeah, definitely a glitch. And I guess the one saving grace also here for Vegas is that even though there were two sporting events going on at the same time, apparently T-Mobile doesn't have the same system they have at Allegiant, so during the fight, people could still purchase their stuff. At Allegiant, well, wait in line and hope you get something free or else go
1: back to your seat and just complain that... Can't even get a beer or water. Yeah, now I also heard that they were not serving alcohol at the main concession stands. And I think there might have been alcohol served, you know, maybe in some of the private areas. But at the main concession stands where you get your hot dogs and your nachos and your burgers and all that sort of thing, uh, you know, uh, alcohol was, was not available there. But that wasn't the only problem that transpired Saturday night at Elysian Stadium. So we talked about the... The, the problem with the with the concessions, the other problems were, well, the Wi-Fi was out. The Wi-Fi didn't work. Uh, the PA system wasn't working. So the WWE uh, had to travel with their, with their own system there. And from the reports I heard, it was horrendous. So you did not have your regular PA system, which was a real downfall. You had no pyrotechnics as well. And that is a big deal for the WWE. Because Absolutely. That, so you had none of that. But there was one other problem that happened: uh, the toilets overflowed. Now that was on that was on the main floor, right on the first floor. I believe, yeah, it was at several restrooms. But yeah, Wi-Fi out, no pyrotechnics, PA system not working, toilets overflowing, and yes, you couldn't purchase your food and beverages. And uh, back to your point, what you said about they were they were handing out food. So apparently, when they the food that they already pre-made, those are the, the items they just started giving right. out to people. Yeah, because they're yeah. going to
2: go bad anyhow. They right. don't want to throw them away, yeah. so let's give yeah. somebody something. Yeah. And you know you know how I'm always a ray of sunshine on this show. Oh, yes. So, you know, at least if there's going to be toilets backing up, at least it was just on the first floor, because if it was on the second or third, then it might be dripping down on the people on the first and second floors. Then too. So it could have been worse. See, I'm always looking for the bright spot. <laughs> ain't no sunshine when he's gone. And ain't no sunshine when there's toilet water dripping on your head. There
1: you go. <laughs> <laughs> Shikari Richardson. You remember Shikari,
2: right? Yes. Uh, The colorful hair, going yeah. to the Olympics, yeah. said she was going to win gold, and then... Yeah. Found out, no, you're not even going to the Olympics because you smoked a joint. That's right.
1: Smoking the ganja. Well, she was back in action, basically at the same spot where they told her, you're not going to go to the Olympics. There in Oregon at the Olympic trials. They had the Prefontaine Classic, uh, the annual event there, the 100 meters. And this was the who's who was going to be in the women's 100 meters. Basically, just about everybody who was in the Olympic Games or who was uh, a, a viable threat to win a medal was at this event. And yes, uh, she's racing against the Who's Who, and she was supposed to do quite well in this race, but Shikari Richardson well she finished ninth. So she finished top ten. You know how many people were in the race? Oh, there was nine. You're correct. <laughs> she finished dead last. She was dead last. And she decided to have something to say about it afterwards. This
3: is one race. I'm not done. You know what I'm capable of. Count me out if you want to. Talk all the you want. Because I'm here to stay. I'm not done. I'm the sixth fastest woman in this game ever. And can't nobody ever take that from me.
1: Okay, she said the sixth fastest woman in this game. Well, you know, I think what she's trying to say is she thinks that she's the sixth fastest woman in the world, I guess, as far as best times. But you know what that means to me? It means to the general public is hearing that uh, you finished in sixth place. No, you didn't. You finished in ninth place. You finished in dead last. So why couldn't you just take the high road and say, you know what? Uh, I didn't do well today. I got to get back to training. Yeah, this whole Olympic thing threw me off. Maybe I'm not as good as I think I am. But I don't know if you saw this race or not. She wasn't even in the picture. I mean, this, it wasn't like photo finish or anything of that nature. She was links and links behind the, the fourth and fifth place finisher.
2: Oh yeah, no. no she what am I talking close. about? The
1: 6th and 7th, 8th place finisher. She, she was in, I believe it was lane 4, so
2: she was right mm-hmm. in the middle of the track because they expected her to go out and blow everybody away. It was kind of like her showcase. She also went on to say, well, you know, I kind of took a month off and it's like, what, you didn't know this meet was coming up? You told us during the Olympics you were going to be training and the next time out, you were going to blow everybody away. You said you were going to win a gold medal. Well, Jamaica got gold, silver, and bronze. Nobody from the United States even medaled. You mentioned your fastest time. You're the six fastest of all time okay you had one race where you ran that if you ran that time the fastest you ever did that would have barely got you by a hundredth of a second the silver medal and that's if you ran the best you ever ran in that race you still wouldn't have won the gold i have nothing against her But right now, it's all talk. You can't call everybody out, say how you're the greatest out there, and wait till after the Olympics. I'm going to show everybody that I'm the best and finish ninth out of ninth. (laughs) You and I could have been in that race in her place, and we would have finished in the same spot she did. You know what it reminded
1: me of? It reminded me of a horse race where one of the horses just can't get out of the gate. And they're just so far behind from the beginning? That's what this looked like. When I saw her trailing, I said, okay, is she pulling up Lane? No, she's sprinting. She just got beat by eight other women that were much better than her. Plain and simple. And here's the thing. She started the interview out okay. It said, okay, she's going to be a little bit humble. But it took her about four seconds before she went in the other direction. Starts talking about, oh, you want to count me out and talk, you know, bleeps out the S word there. No, that was garbage. But here's the dealio. Okay, Give some credit to the woman who won this rate, Elaine thomas Ra. She was the winner in 10.54. It's the second fastest time ever behind Flojo. So, yes, uh, right now, Shikari Richardson, she looks to be a circus sideshow. She looks it, and she acted like it, and she raced like it on Saturday.
2: Yeah, she raced like she was high or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you just made a horse racing comparison there. Oh, yes. So oh, oh, I, love I my horse a story for you. Now it's terrible Tuesday, and this happened a long time ago. But I came upon this story recently, and I thought, you know what? A lot of people don't probably even know this story. So I figured I would share it today. You ever heard of Frank Hayes? Frank Hayes, who's he play for? Frank Hayes. Uh, well, he didn't play for anybody. But he was a jockey at Belmont Racetrack. He was born in 1901. Died June 4th, 1923. So he wasn't old. He was only 22 years old. He was a jockey trying to cut weight. He wasn't big, because most jockeys aren't, but he was a steeplechase jockey. So he entered a steeplechase race on Sweet Kiss, a 20-to-1 shot in the steeplechase race at Belmont Park on Belmont Park on June fourth, 1923. As he got on the horse, he had weighed 142 pounds. He had to cut 12 pounds relatively quickly. That doesn't sound like a lot in today's world with the MMA fighters and that, but they didn't have the same technology that we have today. So he got on Sweet Kiss. The race went off. Sweet Kiss was performing quite well. Was going over the hurdles. Was going over the hedges. Went across the finish line, and Sweet Kiss won the race. Sweet Kiss is your winner at 20 to 1. Frank Hayes is the winner. Down the stretch they go.
1: It's Sweet Kiss with the win.
2: So the horse. Goes across the finish line. He turns around and starts walking back towards the winner's circle. The owners of Sweet Kiss are ecstatic. They just won the steeplechase race. Yeah, They're running down to congratulate Frank on his victory. As they go to pat him and say, good job, they notice something. Frank was dead. (laughs) What? Frank Hayes had a heart attack during the race. They're not sure exactly when. They think it's because he cut so much weight so rapidly. But he never fell off the horse. He was still on the horse as it crossed the finish line. That's a win. So he got the win. Frank Hayes won the steeplechase race, died at some point. They don't even know exactly where. So the celebration and picture taking, well, that kind of put a damper on that. Sweet Kiss still got the victory, but they never raced Sweet Kiss again because... They were just so upset about the whole situation. So Frank Hayes is the only jockey knowing that won a race as a dead man <laughs> dying on the track. Now, he might have actually died right at the finish line. We just don't know. By the way, Sweet Kiss, as he went out to pasture and would roam around, the people in the town no longer call him Sweet Kiss. His new name was Sweet Kiss of Death.
1: <laughs> no So they could have taken his picture uh, you know, on, on the horse there, it could have been Weekend at Bernie's. It could have been Weekend at yeah. Frank's. Yeah, there it is. Absolutely. There Frank's is.
2: farm or whatever. So uh, I, I guess Frank bought the farm.
1: They, I mean, they should have just, you know, you'll know, put the shades on him like they did at Weekend the Bernie's. blinkers. Yeah. Put, put, put the blinkers on him because yeah. it's a horse race. Exactly. Yeah. Take the picture. No one would have known the difference. Announce it later.
2: Oh, 1923, just... died yeah. during the race. And again, because they don't have the cameras in that that they do today, right. they, they don't even know exactly what point he died. If he was dead before he went over the last hedge and he still stayed right. on the horse, that is it. And kudos to the horse. The, the jockey wasn't leading him towards the winner's circle, but he knew where to go.
1: Why, why do I feel bad chuckling and laughing at this story. I don't
2: know, but I did too. That's why I wanted to share it because I don't know if it's terrible, funny, or just it was 1923, so it is almost 100 years now. (laughs)
1: Let's go to French League Soccer. This is for you, H-Man. French League Soccer. Nice is hosting Marseille. Nice is leading 1-0 in the 74th minute. Uh Uh-oh. And here we go. As we know, fans are back at the stadiums. And here we go in Nice. Water bottle is thrown from the crowd and hits the Marseille star player in the head. The player reacts. He's uh, chomping at the crowd, kicks the ball into the stands, actually hits a spectator as he kicks the ball into the stands, and here comes the boom. More bottles, more debris come flying down from the crowd. Both Both teams start pushing and shoving each other, and then what? Here come the fans on the pitch. It becomes total chaos. Unlike the NWC, total chaos. Yes, game is suspended for over an hour. So they try to restore order here, and then the niece president addresses the crowd. Armed guards are called in to line up on the pitch uh, to to tell everyone, please relax. We're going to get the uh, the match uh, you know started up up again. Okay. So after an hour passes, play is ready to resume. Nice comes on the pitch. They're ready to go. Fans are back in the stands, those ones that weren't ejected or, you know, or sent to jail. But Marseille, eh, not so much. Marseille refuses to come back out on the pitch. So, no more match. How do you rule it?
2: I would rule it a no contest, or else I guess maybe you could give a forfeit to the one team. But if the if they were trying to restore the game, I, I, I think a no contest is what I would officially
1: make it. Yeah. So as we know, soccer has some strange rules, and depending on which league or which country you're in, and you have different terminology as well. Now, when I first heard this reported, okay, uh, an American outlet said it was a forfeit. It was one nothing. Nice wins. Marseille refused to. You know, take take the pitch again. So they said, no, too bad. We're ready to play. Even though they had legitimate concerns, their star player was hitting the head. You are on the road. And there was a ton of water bottles and trash coming down there.
2: And like you said, when the fans came down, there was a lot of fans. I I was surprised Mm -hmm. it only took an hour to restore some kind of order. Right.
1: So then I saw another story because I want to know what is the what happened here? How do you count this? In the standings or in the table, as, as they say in, in, in soccer. In how European did William soccer. Hill handle the betting it, over it, there? Exactly. <laughs> well, we know how they handle it because they didn't play the required minutes of match. Okay. Ah. With soccer, you got to go at least 85. So, 74th minute, boom. Right. So, uh, one site said suspended. No, I'm sorry, postponed. Another said suspended. But the official documentation in the French League says this match was abandoned. Abandoned. I first time I ever heard of an abandonment in a sports event.
2: Did they take the match to the orphanage afterwards <laughs> since <laughs> it was abandoned? I mean that'd the
1: match be, was that'd abandoned. That would be terrible. The, the match was abandoned. That's it. So I have no idea what that means. I guess it means postponement, suspension, or whatever. But uh, again, I saw four different stories on this, and I was digging this digging into I, I want to know. Did, who won? Nice get the victory. Our, is is there moment? any plan no, to finish abandoned. the game? Don't know. Abandonment. <laughs> this match was abandoned. There you go. Refund I, all I, tickets, I, I guess. I,
2: I, I guess you look, have to look at your house
1: rules to yeah. see exactly how that's handled. <laughs> right. <laughs> Abandon, please. There you go. All right. Uh, <laughs> what do you got, man?
2: All right. Well, you know, it's a different world today. And... But in some places, it's still not, you know. I guess one of the questions out there is, does a job have the right to say that you can or can't do something that is legal in other respects or more acceptable than it used to be? For instance, you can drink alcohol, you can smoke marijuana, but you can't do it when you go to work. Well, another uh, community that's very much ingrained in the world today is the LGBTQ community. And at Denver Valor Christian High School in Denver, their volleyball coach, Enoki Tonga, recently was posting stuff on Twitter in different places. And from his Twitter post, people started thinking, kind of sounds like he's gay. Okay, so the school administration called him in, said, Mr. Tonga, have you had a recent change in your life? No, I haven't had a recent change in my life. He said they kept on asking him that over and over and over again. And finally, he was kind of like, well, what are you getting to? What are you talking about? Well, have you recently made some Twitter posts? Yes. Have you posted that you're gay on Twitter? Well, yes, I am gay. I'm, I'm hoping to find the right man and get married someday and fall in love. And they were like, well, we're a Christian high school. You can't do that. And he was like, well, no, I can. And they're, no, you can at our high school. So he's been fired. Now... He says he was fired and let go. The school says we gave him a couple options. He could either renounce that he was homosexual or he could leave the team because they couldn't have a gay teacher teaching their Christian students. Now, some of the parents are very mad because the girls' volleyball team loved him. He was a successful coach. They were having a lot of success. He came out and said, look, I held no animosity, but, you know, I mean, I never really tried to hide anything. I was posting into that, so... I don't even know where this goes in this day and age because I know that a lot of Christian schools in that, they do have moral clauses in that where there's still certain things that you can and can't do. So I don't know exactly what's going to come of this. Did the school have the right to let him go because of his sexual preference being at a Christian school? Or did they let him go for something that you can't do anymore in this day and age? I don't know what's going to happen here. But it's kind of weird in twenty twenty one that I'm, we're still even hearing about this kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, and, and I've coached at it, it, it private schools, at, at Christian schools as well too. And you know, each school does have a private schools. You know, they have their own code of honors, and you know, they call it ethics and, and that sort of thing. Yeah. Or but morals again, clause. Morals clause. Uh, you know, absolutely. Well, everyone has morals clauses yeah. because again, if, if you know, but you know, in the Christian community, if you're not living up to a lifestyle. Uh, that they you know they condone then they have the reason to uh let you go the big question here was that in his agreement uh usually have to sign paperwork you know with this and and was that in there uh maybe it was maybe it wasn't who knows but you're right here it is you know you know 2021 and, and these type of stories you know are out there all the time and it'll be interesting to see you know who jumps involved in this uh in this story, either to comes to the coach's defense or, or or what happens with this.
2: And it's not like he was trying to hide anything. He was posting it on social media. Yeah.
1: That's how they found out. So that tells me there maybe there wasn't anything that he signed off on that said, Hey, you know, you you know or maybe he yeah. didn't read all the paperwork yeah. of the stuff he was
2: signing. Because, I mean, look, when you buy a car, a house, and who actually reads all the fine print? Yeah. And
1: you know what the school district will say? Well, the private school will come back and say, hey, it's our decision. You know, we can fire you with cause. And, yeah, that's yeah, that's that, that, that's pretty sad to do that. <laughs> all right. Uh, Jalil Tucker is a four-star football recruit. And he was ready for his big announcement. You know how we see this all the time now. Got the we, hats on the yeah, council and everything. The reveal just, party. You know, you're waiting for the drum roll yep. or the sound yep. or something. Where is he going to go to school? The big reveal. Well, they televise a lot of this stuff. Uh, fortunately, this wasn't on You know, a major network. It was on uh, a, a smaller, uh, I think it was it could have been a... A local television station sent their news team there and, and this sort of thing. Fortunately that, or unfortunately? yeah. Well, <laughs> good point. Uh, so the big reveal came, and before they wanted to hear from Jaleel, they decided to interview Dad first. And you,
0: uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy. I'm, I'm happy for him. Uh, he's a good kid. Uh, lazy, but he's a good kid.
2: Uh, and I know he's going to represent Oregon well. Oh.
1: You heard the O's. Pops blew it. He dropped the bomb. He didn't let his kids say, "Well, do the hats, do the shirts." I'm going to the University of Oregon. No, Pops dropped it.
2: Wow, too bad there wasn't uh, in-game wager on where he was going to go there because you could have got it before he had officially announced
1: it. Pops, what are you doing? Right? Hey. Have you been watching something? So when I'm watching this thing, I'm going, well, okay, he's got green and gold on. Everyone's got green and gold on. The exact same green and gold as the University of Oregon. Although they and have like 40 different
2: uniforms. This so. is true.
1: This is true. But uh, technically, these school colors still, <laughs> you wouldn't know it, but uh, by, by watching Oregon, yeah, is green and gold. So, But I guess those were his high school colors and everything. And uh, so, you know, I don't know. Pops just uh, either couldn't contain himself uh, or, you know, he did it on purpose but how about this calling your kid lazy on on, on this is a day that your kid is going to remember and you're supposed to remember for the rest of your life he's getting a full ride scholarship oh, he'll to a will remember now institution he'll remember it now and you call your kid lazy and then you say oh yeah he's lazy but he's gonna make oregon proud oh whoops and then like he, he runs off and likes covering his head so yeah did he do it on purpose or not?
2: No, I think I know what happened. All right. I think I actually know what happened. He's going to Oregon, right? Yeah. He was at the pre-Fontine track, mate. <laughs> he was partying with Shikari Richardson, and, uh, you know, he kind of lost his mind, and it slipped out.
1: A little ganja was happening? You know? There's a ganja in the air? She was last, and he was first. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> uh, it would have been funny if the kid would have said, no, 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 I'm going to be a beaver. Bust out some some black and orange. That would have been funny. But, no, he said, so, yeah, he got his moment And then everybody else rips off their T-shirts, but Pop
2: is still in the green and gold because they're like, "Yeah, Yeah. we
1: knew we couldn't trust you. I may be lazy, but I'm not stupid. See, that would have been a story right there. But instead, the kid, he goes, well, yeah, and he comes back and he says, I'm going to Oregon. (laughs) Oh, yay! (laughs) Yeah, thanks a lot, Pops. You blew it. Wow, what a buzzkill. I know. (laughs) All right, man, send us out real quick.
2: All right, well, let's do one more real quick. You know, there's a lot of talk all the time about who's the fastest player in the NFL. Mm. And we used to have the old Superstars competitions where they'd race ant and We would kind of see. Well, Chris Johnson has said, don't even have that argument anymore. I'm the fastest player that ever played in the NFL. Yeah, there might be guys faster than me right now because I'm not training like that anymore. But forget about it. I was never caught from behind. I am the fastest. Well, Deion Sanders was ran a, a 4.1 40-yard dash. Uh, Bullet Bob Hayes won a gold medal. Willie Galt was on a world... I mean, there's a lot of guys that were really fast. It always kind of kills me when somebody says they are the fastest. You don't know until they race. And there's football speed, and then there's track speed in that. Chris Johnson was very fast. Was he the fastest ever? And when I'm reading this story, I'm looking about all the names like Dion and Bo Jackson and this and this. Uh, there were some guys before that were really... They were track stars and stuff yep. like that. Skeets Nehemiah, right? people like that. So... You know, Chris Johnson, you were really fast. Are you the fastest ever? I would debate that quite, uh, quite vigorously.
1: You know, that whole speed thing is, unless you have a contest, it's just so debatable. But I guess, you know, what turns people off is when a guy says, I'm the fastest, I'm the best. It just falls in line with the Shikari Richardson situation, you know? Just, you know, uh, let your feet do the talking, you know? Plain and simple. All right, uh, maybe we'll hit some more Terrible Tuesday stuff uh, a little bit later on in the hour. But coming up next, we've got Houston Nut as we talk a little college football coming your way because it is the season, and it starts on Saturday.
0: Now, back to more of Las Vegas' favorite sports madman, the Dr. T.C. Martin.
1: All right, college football season is upon us, and yes, uh, Saturday, we've got some games going, and uh, we'll start diving into it, and the head coach, Houston Nut, it's that time of year again, my man. Down in McKinney, Texas. He's making pit stops everywhere. He's going to high school practices. He's talking to the team. He's getting ready to go to CBS Sports uh, this weekend or next week and get it all going. Football season is here, Coach. Give me some barbecue. What's happening, my man?
0: (laughs) It's time. It is here, my man. It's here. Hopefully Uh, we can – Stay healthy, everybody. Stay in the stands. Let's let's stay buttoned up. Let's let's
1: go now. Let's have a good one. All right. So, is this true? You over McKinney, Texas? Firing up the guys over there. Uh, you know McKinney High School. I am.
0: Uh, that was a former player of mine. Marcus Shavers is the head coach. Mm-hmm. Played for me at Arkansas. He's from Allen, Texas, and uh, had to go had to go talk to him. And also so- uh, Taylor Barn. Hey, pig!
1: <laughs> I got to get that's that that's right. Got to get right. that. Out. Go ahead. <laughs>
0: Taylor Barnhill is another young yeah. man that uh, his dad and I grew up, and he's at Northwest High School. So, you know, it, it, uh, these guys are kind of hitting the wall. They needed one little uh, kind of pick me up, I guess. So, it, it was good. I was good to watch them practice. It was
1: fun. That's good. Now, did you bust out the old straw hat again?
0: Uh, only when I'm when I'm outside. Now, when I'm outside, right. I, I learned long ago from my dad. Now, he had a lot of skin ca- cancer taken oh. off. I started wearing that hat way back when. Yeah. So. I, didn't, I don't bust it out when I'm inside, but outside, yes.
1: Okay. I didn't know if you were outside talking to the guys. And I know you're you probably talking to me inside, but I not know if you were out at practice yes, or so. whatever. There you go. So right, right. there we go. There no. we go, my friend. All right. So uh, the barbecue, we have to have a barbecue update. Do you have a barbecue update for me? Did our friends ever open back up there?
0: Haven't opened back up, but I'm wow. here within seven days. Now, seven days, they're going to have it bigger and better. So I'm hoping. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping. I'm ready for them to get open.
1: So you know a few weeks back, I was rolling through your great state of Texas. I know I was on the complete the other side there. I was over in Houston, your namesake, even though you 're more on the other <laughs> side towards Dallas and that and I was asking for some barbecue tips for me, and you 're going yeah i don 't recruit that area i don 't know that area, but uh, I, I ran to a couple barbecue spots, not bad, but I was blown away as I'm driving over to college Station, you know from Houston cause I had to go to Kyle Field. I had to make my way right. to Kyle Field, get over to the fifty yard line coach I, I I was impressed with Kyle field and texas am that was that was nice. I know you know that campus pretty well yourself, but yeah. tell me what in the world is Bucky's? I mean there's Bucky's all over the place Uh-oh. here. Hey. But, you better hey. tell people about Buckys hey Buckys is the real deal now Bucky's
0: Buckys. Yeah. First of all, there's 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 about fifty uh, gas uh, pumps, so you never have to wait. The pump the pumps waiting on you. Get your gas,
2: okay.
1: and then you go in. Hey, they're making some nice sandwiches for you. Pulled pork. No, uh, hold on. Sausage. And I want you to. Yeah, you're doing a great job. But I know you got to break it down to Frank, and and because he's looking at me like Bucky's. What are you talking about? You're right. It's you okay. go you go fill up your gas. You do that. But and you're right. I didn't mean to interrupt you. But but you're describing it perfectly. Go keep going on, Coach. Well, I, I, Bucky's, if you had never been to Bucky's,
0: it's basically uh, a gas station, but it's combination of convenience store. You can go in there and shop for whatever you need. I don't care if you need back uh, some tailgating material, whatever you need. I mean, they have it. <laughs> and um, from uh, soda fountains to, but, but my favorite, though, is you can get you a nice sandwich. Uh, I, hey, if you want to get there in the morning, uh, they got an, an, an egg sausage. Cheese, that is awesome. And uh, they got a candy department. They got beef jerky department. They got it all. They got barbecue. I heard they had a smoker there, too. Oh, oh. no, they do. They do. <laughs> they do.
2: <laughs> so, so, so basically you go to Bucky's, you get the gas, you get the propane for the tailgate, you get a sandwich to, uh, to tide you over, and then you go and do the tailgating before the game.
1: It's all there. No question. No question. The one-stop shop. i was blown away did you you actually experience did
0: you go in and a whole
1: bit i didn't because i was with some friends who drove down from dallas but here's the funny thing so they're gonna come and pick me up in houston and they go oh we're gonna stop at bucky's i'm going what do do you mean bucky's we're we're gonna go eat we're going to we're going to eat what are you talking about so then my friends they send me a video of what's going on inside the store and I'm seeing go, kids running all over the place. I'm seeing smoke coming in there. I go, is the place on fire? They go, no, that's the barbecue. And then, so while we're driving, Houston, they go, hey, there's another Bucky's over there. I go, so this is what you're talking about. <laughs> I was blown away. <laughs> hey, I'm disappointed though. You didn't experience. You
0: got to go in and experience Bucky's. Uh, all you got to do, you see the beaver on the on the big sign.
1: Now you got to go, go, go to Bucky's. Well, we all love some beaver, no doubt about that. <laughs>
2: You like yours well done?
1: Uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a medium <laughs> plus guy. That's it. <laughs> You know, oh, I'm gonna save Brian. that. I'm gonna save that trip when I come next time. I come to Dallas and see you. Okay, then come we're, on. we're going. We're going to Freddy's and we're going to Bucky's. How's that? And and, <laughs> that we're, and, and we're going to our favorite uh, barbecue place. Hutchins. Yeah, yeah, we're going to Hutchins, baby. That's right. That's no, w- which, go. by the way, coincidentally, you
2: said they're opening in seven days, just in time for the football season to start. Yeah, <laughs> that's
0: exactly right. That's exactly right.
1: All right, Houston. What is this season going to look like here? I mean, you're going to be back at work and everything. I know you're traveling back to New York with CBS. Uh, we've got our you know our Saturday games and everything. Uh, do you think this is going to be uh, closer to to 2019 than 2020? And what are you expecting here? Well,
0: I'm, I'm I'm hoping I'm hoping it's 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 back to just about normal. Here's what I miss most, guys. I miss I, I just miss the 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 fans in the stands you know the games that were played when you had the empty stadiums and uh or just a few people around it just it wasn't the same from the bands the cheerleaders the pageantry all of it you know that's the thing that makes football so great to me is the the entire package and especially uh you know your fans that are tailgating and 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 when the noise levels at a very very high high level There's nothing like it, so there really wasn't a home-field advantage last year in my mind, but I'm hoping that you get back to normal, everybody stay safe, let's stay healthy, and let's go. Mm
1: -hmm. Big Ten protocols, they said they're going to issue forfeits. Of uh, teams you know, don't have enough players, uh, which I think is, is a great move, they're kind of really approaching this more like the NFL, which they didn't do last year. LSU announces today they're re- going to require proof of vaccination or negative COVID tests within 72 hours of attending a game. So how do you see things in, in, in place here uh, affecting games and attendance? Do you think that we're still going to you know, run into this? Are we going to have forfeits or do you think we're going to get a full season from everybody?
0: Well, you just don't, you know, you don't know. I'm hoping we have a full season for everybody. I'm hoping it's going to be, you know, much much different than last year. But you don't know, you know, you just don't know. You know, I hear some numbers that are going up, and um, I, man, I'm just, I'm just hoping, fingers crossed, that that it, it'll be back as normal as it, as it can be. Because uh, I'm looking forward to it. But uh, again, man, you don't, you just don't ever know what what can happen around the corner.
1: Texas, Oklahoma—they are going to be leaving for uh, the SEC, leaving the Big Twelve. Here, I'm not crazy about this. Uh, you know, today they're talking about the alliance with you know these other conferences. You know, challenging the SEC now. Uh, I want your take on this, Houston, because a lot of people think that hey, okay, Texas and Oklahoma—you got the superpower conference, SEC. You know, really, it hasn't really worked out that well for. Texas A and M in Missouri. It takes a long time for these guys to get acclimated with the recruiting, uh, the style of play, and everything. And I'm not sure that that Oklahoma and Texas are going to be contenders once they join the SEC right away. What are your thoughts?
0: Uh, you know, when this, this
1: kind of surprised me when the, when the announcement first came
0: out. I really thought it was just talk, but man, lo and behold, you look up and it, it wasn't talk. It's for real. And Texas and Oklahoma. Sought out Greg Sankey and called him, uh, which you know I'm thinking in my mind. Wait a minute, Oklahoma's been to the playoffs the last few years; they're winning championships. Why do they want to do this? And so, to me, you know, again, you follow this money. Uh, there's it's going to be big money, and you say Texas A&M, Missouri hadn't, but if you look at the check they get for being in here, uh, being in the SEC, it's 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 unbelievable.
1: Yep,
0: and so. When you look at everything uh, now, of course, that causes what? Well, that causes the other conferences say, "Hey, uh, we need to get on the phone. We need to start having some dialogue and discussion. What are we gonna do? Because they got a super PAC going over there at SEC, and so now you hear the announcements today. And I don't, I, I didn't really know what I heard today, but it, at least they're saying they're talking about it. Uh, it's about the best I could get out of it. But you got ACC, Big Ten, Pac-12, all sitting there saying." Hey, we're going to find a way to work it out. What's bad is the Big 12 sitting there, and they're the ones that lost the two brand names. What are they going to do? And um, so I don't know. I kind of I kind of miss the uh, you know I, Oklahoma State, of course where I graduated from. I want them to have a home. I don't want anybody to be orphans. I want them to have a home. Are they going to go recruit Nebraska and get the old Big Eight back or Colorado? You know, you just you just don't know. It's kind of like stay tuned. What's going to happen next? But here's what we do know. It's headed this way, guys. It's headed towards uh, the Super PAC conferences, and it's bigger games, more money.
2: You know, for years we've always heard about the Power Five conferences. Now there's a lot of talk that there's going to be the Power Four. Those four will be in the football playoff as long as they keep it four teams, and that all the conferences are going to go to 16 teams that are the Power Four. Do you see that happening and do you see that if you don't get in to one of those power four conferences that basically you're not gonna have any kind of shot whatsoever of everyone in a championship?
0: Man, I tell you, that's what, that's what you don't know. It's so much unknown. And um but here here's here's to me what what's difficult is have you got these conferences that are super packed, you got a lot of teams now. And so now this scheduling is going to be tough. And just take the ACC Pac twelve Big Ten. ACC going to Pac-12, you're flying across the country. I mean, but again, it's Super Pack, and people are going to want to watch Clemson, USC, or you know, whatever. But um, I, I just don't know. You know, it's just it's just a lot of uncertainty. And you know, you say 2025 is when Texas, Oklahoma, but can you imagine the guys? Because remember, I was a part of uh, Coach Broyles, Frank Broyles, our athletic director. I was an assistant at Arkansas. When he decided to leave the Southwest Conference, mm-hmm. so I kind of got a, I, I understand a little bit. Uh, I understand now the vision he had, and but I want to tell you something. Those years that we were left, and we're still playing the Southwest Conference, uh, people wasn't too hospitable now. TCS. Right, right, they weren't right. really saying, hey, come on in. No, they were saying, why don't you get on out? We yep. don't want you because you don't want to be a part of us. Get out. So you're going to have a lot of that. Texas, Oklahoma, get ready. Your phone's going to ring on Friday night in the hotel all night long when you go to these visits and play. Because guess what? You think they didn't like you? They really don't like you now.
1: No, and I was going to bring that up because I remember, you know, the Southwest Conference going by the wayside, and and I thought it was tragic because you had some great – uh, rivalries there, you know, heightened, of course, by, by Texas and Arkansas. And you remember you were part of that. And when we look at this, the Big 12, I mean, people are basically saying, okay, yeah. the, the Big 12 is done. How much danger is this conference, Houston? And I don't get it because the Big 12 still has some marquee schools. I don't know why this thing, you know, you know can't work there instead of maybe just, you know, abolishing it the way they did with the Southwest Conference. But how do you see this thing going with the Big 12?
0: Well, see, that's that's the that's the one conference uh, that that kind of blows my mind, kind of gets left out, yep. and they're the ones that had the two brand names leave, and so, you know, it, it's just it's a little surprising because, like we said, when we, on, the, on the very first question is it surprises me because Oklahoma had been to the championship games, they've been to the Final Four, uh, they 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 won their Big Twelve and and made it there, and so. You know, I, I know it's easy for them to say, well, we're, we're going to be just fine. We play Georgia toe-to-toe. Well, you know, you had a few days to get ready for Georgia. The thing that's different that Lincoln, Riley, and everybody will find out, the thing that's different is when you play uh, Georgia, then you play Alabama, then you play Florida, then you play Auburn, back to back to back. It's the grind of it. And so to answer your question, go back around to, to the Big 12 to get back there. I, I don't know. You see, it's, yeah. it's 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 really kind of sad. Now, TCU has been in this position before. Uh, they've been in two or three different. They've been in the Mountain West. They've been in, what, uh, Big East. They've been in a lot of different conferences. So this is not new to them, but it's the schools like Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, what are they going to do, and who can they bring in there or recruit to, to keep the Big 12 going? I don't know because you lost two powerful names.
2: You know, one school that I find interesting, and I'm curious to see what they do, if they do have these power four conferences, and they're basically going to say, look, the winner of each conference is going to go to our football championship, and that's it, what does a team like Notre Dame do, who prides himself on being independent? We know they're in the Big East in basketball, but in football, are they going to be forced to get in one of these conferences if they want a chance to play for a championship in football?
0: That's a real good question. That's a real good thought cuz Notre Dame does have that name. They've been independent. Uh they they have a, their own TV package money wise and they're they're a team that you'd think, you know, they 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 dabbled in the ACC. They kind of dabbled in that. And and now, you know, you don't you don't hear that much about what they're doing or they're just kind of just sitting in the weeds, they're waiting. But the one thing about Notre Dame is they have the name nationwide uh, to do what they want to do to jump in one of these conferences. So... But it's, it's, a, it's a good, good conversation about Notre Dame. There's no question about it.
1: Yeah, Houston Nutt joins us, the football coach. And, of course, fantastic job on the CBS Sports Network. College football starts this weekend. Houston, we got one game that's a little bit interesting, Nebraska and Illinois. Uh, both of these teams have got some coaches, could be in some hot water here. But, uh, you know, it is probably the most attractive game, uh, and the Big Ten is kicking it off early. Uh, Nebraska-Illinois, what do you think? But I'm looking forward to it, you know, because, of course, Nebraska, my
0: thought was kind of when I think about Nebraska, I remember playing. There's a player, Oklahoma State, we'd go there, they would whoop us so good, and then the fans would be there. I mean, it was sold out 70,000 plus, and they would clap for us as we went in the dressing room, like, <laughs> thanks for coming. It was such a whooping, you know, hey, thanks for coming. We just whooped you real good. But they were really good and polite. I mean, I love Nebraska fans, but what I don't like is. What what I read the past few days on Scott Frost uh, about analysts that are coaching and, and and didn't didn't practice at the wrong time during COVID. It just seems like to me, you know, it may be coming from the inside. When I say you, when you're when you're down when things aren't going right, it looks like there's always a few that try to just uh, kick you while you're down. Uh, but I, I just keep looking for. Uh, Scott Frost to get this thing turned around, but he's got to fight some outside noise and pressure. This first game is critical, guys. It is so critical, uh, to Illinois. Now, Coach Bielema is there now, uh, back in the Big Ten, and, uh, a lot of people excited about him and, you know, more going to control the ball more. We all know Scott Frost can coach. We've seen what his team's done at, uh, at UCF. And uh, that's what's kind of sad, you know, when you, when, you, when you read some of these things that's going on. But uh, this game, make no doubt about it, uh, this is uh, a critical game for Scott Frost. And I think it's going to be a good one. I can't wait to see this one. All
1: right, I got two real quick questions for you, and you can hit them how you want here, okay? Uh, is, it, right. a- is it Alabama and everyone else in the SEC? And then I want you to give me a surprise team or two to watch out for this year.
0: Okay. Alabama, I always say, well, no one can use the word next better than Nick Saban. It's unbelievable. He gets the best players every year. But saying that, you lose Mac Jones, and I was quickly say, well, you lost to a tongue of and here comes Mac Jones. Didn't know anything about him, and he breaks his records. But Nadja Harris gone. You got Devontae Smith gone. uh, I just think he says next better. I, I think that they'll be fine. I think they'll they'll win the, the SEC championship. I don't think they'll score more. Here's what I think, though, T.C., their defense. Yep. Their defense will be better. they got a lot coming back. Watch Will Anderson. Watch him. Uh, these guys are physical and tough. I, I just think the defense will carry him to Bryce Young kind of gets his, his feet underneath him. Um, as far as teams to look for, hey, really look out for – keep your eyes on North Carolina State. Okay. I think well, uh, they're they're physical, they're tough, and he's got a lot of players coming back. They know what they're doing. Coach Dorian has it going. To, watch North Carolina State. I know everybody's talking about uh, uh Mac Brown who's done a great job with the Tar Heels because he has Sam Howell. But watch North Carolina State guys. Watch that team. I, like I think that, that they're going to be tough. And the other game, you better watch out for. <laughs> Keep your eyes on Louisiana Lafayette versus Texas the very first game, guys. Louisiana Lafayette, uh, you don't want to play them. They're Woo! all back. About 10 starters on both sides. Hey, Steve Sarkeesian, get ready. Get ready because this is not just, a okay, we're just going to play a nice little Louisiana directional school. No, you better bu- buckle up now. Buckle up both chinstrap. These guys right here think they
1: can beat you. I love it. Houston net is uh, coming with an upset already. Louisiana Lafayette. I'm going to the sports book right after the show, my man. There you go. <laughs> right after right after, I get me some Freddy's. I don't know. I got to get my get Freddy's you some first. Freddy's. There you go. Get you some Freddy's. Give me that jalapeno pepper jack burger, my friend. There we go. You
2: can go to the sports book during the break. You can have a phone. That's a good point.
1: <laughs> All right. There we go. In the palm of my hand. All right, my man. Hey, uh, we'll look forward to to seeing you on TV. We'll look forward to hopefully talking with you uh, during the course of the season. I know you're a busy guy. Appreciate you big time, brother. You bet. Thanks for having me, guys. Take, I'll take care. care. There he is, Houston Nut uh, at CBS Sports, uh, getting ready for the college football season. Look at that, coming already with an upset special. Uh, g- give me a surprise team. Boom. Goes right away. Louisiana Lafayette over Texas.
2: By the way, in the Big Ten, Bucky is the mascot of Ohio State. So. <laughs>
1: <laughs> bucky needs to gas it up over there okay gas it up baby all right appreciate it. houston net all right we come back showtime sean Porter, to the two-time welterweight champ he's gonna join us next hour and plus we'll take you around some nfl training camps and we got getting ready for the final week thank goodness of preseason football
0: smith will keep it he dies for the end zone He's got a touchdown, Kansas City, in one of the greatest comebacks in Chiefs' kingdom history. It's time. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. Car out of the shotgun, looks left, throws a line for Michael Krochner, he caught it, he caught it, he caught it, the Raiders have the lead, Uh-oh. 35-34. It's the T.C. Martin Show. Sweet revenge for Michael Crabtree. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. I needed that. I'm starting to feel like football now. Hey, that was a good start. Hey, that was a good start. We're going to do this for you, all right?
1: The doctor is now in. Hour number two on this terrible Tuesday. Go back to the website and you can listen to our terrible Tuesday takes. And also appreciate Houston Nutt joining us from CBS Sports, the former coach at Ole Miss, Arkansas, Boise State, just to name a few. Always fun, entertaining, and informative with the coach, Houston Nutt. Showtime Sean Porter will join us this hour. The two-time welterweight champ does a great job with the Fox of the PBC and also... Just uh, got back from Tokyo, Japan a couple weeks back because he was part of the Boxing Olympic coverage on NBC. And Sean in the midst of training right now as we speak, getting ready, presumably for Terrence Crawford. And as we mentioned yesterday, WBO has put out a purse bid with that. So, yes, we will talk to Showtime Sean Porter this hour regarding Pacquiao Ugas, what's next for both fighters? Of course, Sean beat guys has sparred with Pacquiao. We'll talk to him about that. And the date, if one is allowed to be announced yet, for Crawford Porter. Yeah, it'll be
2: interesting, too, because I want to get Sean's uh, thoughts on what he thought about Team USA and where amateur boxing is in this country right now. Because they had their best Olympics since 2000, but it still wasn't like a highly successful Olympics. Wasn't
1: good enough <laughs> at all. Was it one bronze, right? <laughs> Was it one bronze or no medals?
2: I, I thought they got something. Didn't Torres get something in the I, super I, heavyweight? I, I, I thought I he got a bronze I think it was
1: one bronze. Yeah, yeah. one medal. Yeah. I
2: mean, they were comp- – they got competitive and got close to the stuff. But, yeah, but um, – yeah. And, and, again, then they're saying, oh,
1: the most successful U.S. boxing tournament 2000. It's like, hmm. I remember those days when my man Kenny Adams in 84 and 88 just – you know, this is where you got to learn who the Roy Jones – uh, juniors were of the world. Riddick Bowe's, the Sugar Ray Leonard, Sugar Ray Leonard in the seventies, wearing the, the pitcher yeah. on his sock yeah. and everything. Oh, you go back and, yeah. to Cassius Clay if you want to go back to you know that far back. Yeah. Of course, you know Oscar De La Hoya as well. A little bit after that, but those Kenny Adams teams that he coached, him, Pat nappy and him in '84, and then Kenny Adams in '88, the most successful that we've had in our history. Those were phenomenal. You
2: know, one other thing from watching this Olympics too. When we're talking boxing, I don't know about you, but every time I see. Kazakhstan, and then I see the, you know, the Russian Olympic team and all. You know, in every one of these weight classes, there's like three or four guys that back in those days would have just been Team Russia. How hard it is just to, it would have been just to make that team before they yes. split up into six different countries.
1: Right. I mean, they are so stacked, it's ridiculous. Well, you remember back in those days, it was United States, Cuba, and Russia. Felo Stevenson. I remember
2: yeah. watching him as a heavyweight. He was just – everybody thought that, well, he'd beat Ali. He'd, be, he'd beat yeah. anybody out there. And I don't know because amateur boxing is different, but, wow, he was good. Oh, he was phenomenal,
1: again, but never got a chance to see it because, you know, you're resonating to that country, can't get out, can't fight. Yeah. Can't, you know?
2: Guy smoking a cigar said you ain't going nowhere.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, definitely I, I miss – and we talked about this during the course of the Olympic Games – miss – uh, not uh having Olymp- Olympic boxing being on the forefront, and a lot of that has to do with the rule changes and all the other nonsense that that, that they have there it's it's just too bad and again, a lot of countries well i shouldn 't say a lot of countries because obviously Kazakhstan and Ubekistan and all those they 're sending their best oh for but, sure, but you know in the United States I mean you guys are are turning pro you know younger and younger, and we 're not seeing our best show me the money, yeah, and probably you, you go back i mean. You know, we talk about Yugos defeating Pacquiao. Yugos yeah, was a bronze medalist, you know, many years ago. I mean, again, he's 35 years old. But when you think about probably the last American, uh, you know, Olympic uh, yeah, gold medalist, probably Clarissa Shields from the women's side, yeah. which blows a lot of people away because, you know, there was never wi- women's boxing. And, and many countries frowned upon that Say, Oh, cannot sure. have that. Forget it. But, you know, n- now you have it and uh, – yeah, she's she's probably the last uh, great American in recent times to come out of the Olympic Games.
2: Yeah, and women, uh, you could probably argue that uh, for all the combat sports, for taekwondo, for judo, for a lot of the stuff, the women's teams from the United States probably stronger than the men's. And maybe part of that, too, is because, like you said, some countries still kind of frown
1: upon it. Yeah, that's it. All right, looking forward to talking to Showtime. Sean Porter here in a little bit. All right, uh, COVID news. Uh, Cam Newton, we talked about it yesterday, unable to practice this week because of a misunderstanding of COVID protocols on his part. Uh, he got approval by the Patriots to go out of state to a medical appointment. This had nothing to do with COVID. I would imagine, probably, you know, about his past injuries, shoulder. Again, Cam Newton really not giving much uh, information at all about this. But uh, so he, because he, he left, the state he's got to be quarantined and is missing the next five practices. Well, the first practice was today. Uh, he has been taking daily COVID tests and he has tested negative to each one. But the peculiar thing about this is according to the NFL and NFL PA protocols, tier one and tier two individuals, which includes all players are exempt from daily testing and are allowed to travel. If they have received the COVID-19 vaccine, well, Cam Newton, not vaccinated, even though he has never admitted that he's not vaccinated. Now, reporters have asked him, and he said, no, that's private. (laughs) And I understand that you have a choice to get the vaccine or not, and you can have your reasons, that's fine. However, and like we've said quite a bit here, and this story points it out, if you want to play ball, and if you want to be able to do the things that you were doing prior to 2019, 2020, you got to get the vaccine. And we know you're not afraid of needles because NFL players are getting shot up all the time with cortisone and other shots. And tattoos all over the place. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> but if you're going to have this attitude of, like, hey, I, you know, some conspiracy theory or this and that, that's your own prerogative. But when you are a quarterback of a team and you want to be the man and you are looked upon as the leader, then you better rethink it and think about what you should be doing basically for the greater good of your team and your franchise and your organization. And what Cam Newton's doing right now is he's opening the door for Mac Jones to be the quarterback. Because we know Bill Belichick wants to have Mac Jones be that quarterback. Maybe not this year because, again, you know he said – we got Cam Newton. Let's bring him back for one more year. He's a veteran. We can tutor, you know, Mac Jones. But Mac Jones has looked pretty good in the preseason. And Cam Newton has looked very good in the preseason. And Bill Belichick came out yesterday and said, Cam Newton is our starting quarterback right now. But now that Cam Newton is gone for five days and he's going to miss. You know, the dual practices that they've got this week against another team getting ready to, to play another preseason game. That means Mac Jones is going to get all of the snaps with the first team. And this is the crucial time because you're approaching your final regular season, rather, your final preseason game, as you get ready for the regular season here in two weeks. And knowing Mac Jones and everyone that we know that knows Mac Jones, have seen Mac Jones play in college. He's going to take this and run with it. And he's going to come in there and not going to be passive. He's going to say, this is my team. I'm with the ones now. Let's go. And four days from now when Cam Newton comes back, he might not be the starting quarterback. Or maybe Bill Belichick will say, okay, it it is your job still, but he's going to have a very short leash. You can't be leaving basically on your own accord at the most important time of training camp when roster cuts are coming and you're coming off a pathetic season last year, another injury season. Oh, and by the way, he had COVID last year as well, too. So a lot of question marks coming out here in new England. Well, you know, it's
2: interesting too, because in the times we live in today and I know everybody says it's a personal thing. It's my decision, my body, my choice, this, that, and the other, but it goes far beyond that. Because when you are a member of a team, And the NFL has said, look, we're not going to do all this changing schedules around and everything else today. If you can't play and there's too many guys that can't play, then you're forfeiting games. You're losing. You're losing paychecks. It's not just you anymore. You're affecting a lot of other people out there. And if you don't want to get the vaccine, that's fine. But is there any guarantee even that uh, at some point of the season, if Mac Jones starts and he's playing well, and they think, okay, this is our quarterback of the future – And Cam Newton still says, I'm not going to get the vaccine, that at some point they don't just say, you know what, we don't need you around anymore. Mm -hmm. I mean, these guys that refuse to get vaccinated, and again, it might be their right, but it also you might also be playing yourself or unvaccinating yourself out of a job or something. Now, if you're a superstar, you're going to get more leeway, but we all know guys get cut from rosters because... They're older and they're veteran and they can bring in younger guys that make less. There's a lot of reasons and a lot of ways to get cut. If you're not going to help the team and you just are perceived as somebody that can hurt the team, and we certainly know Belichick's not afraid to do it in New England, you better make sure that you're
1: good enough to stay there and be valuable enough to want them to keep you there. Bill Belichick said yesterday when asked about this, he goes, Hey, there is a quarterback battle between Cam Newton and Mac Jones. He goes, but... Cam Newton is the starter. He goes, but like any position, that can change, and, and good for him. So today he was pressed again because Cam Newton was not there. Mac Jones getting all the snaps. Here's Bill Belichick today at training camp. Yeah, of course
0: we could If we couldn't, couldn't gain anything by practicing, then why do we practice? Look, our entire team has, has opportunities every day, uh, all the way through the week against the Giants in the game. I hope we can all take advantage of those opportunities. Uh, I mean, look, there's a big learning curve for all rookies, and we all have a lot of work to do. We're three
2: weeks in the training camp. We've got a long way to go.
1: All right, so the first question he was asked was, hey, does, is this going to affect you know Cam Newton's job of being away for five days because he's going to be missing these practices, and Mac Jones will be getting all these uh, snaps you know, with, the, with the starters? And his answer, the first part of that was, he goes, well, what, what's the purpose of, of, of practicing then? Yeah, I mean, you 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 need to be here, so practicing is vital, uh, especially now. And then he goes on to um, there was another uh, reporter that asked a question, said, "Well, you know, you know, what w- what does this do for for Mac Jones? You know, getting all the looks." And he just gave a, a short answer by saying, "Well, you know, they go, is this a a big time for for Mac Jones, like a proving ground for him?" And he goes. Yes. <laughs> and then the last part what you just heard was talking about just in general about how, you know, this the quarterback position is just like every other position. It's it's a battle. You have to be here at practice. You got to compete. And basically, we're going to take the best guys. Well,
2: you know, it's interesting, too, because I know everybody out there, when they think of practice, they think of Allen Iverson, and, oh, we're talking practice. At this time of the year in the NFL, especially with rookies and in positions where there's battles for, it is crucial. And if you don't think practice means that much, you don't have to look any further than the Raiders right out here in Las Vegas. When they had the joint practices with the Rams, when did the first stringers, when were they on the field? It was in the practices. That's where you work on the timing. That's where you have the coaches in your ear all the time. That's when you can stop things and break things down. That's when you're actually looking at people. The practices mean more than the preseason games in a lot of coaches' minds right now. I know right now Raider fans are absolutely ecstatic over the way Hobbs has been playing, and and he has played very well. But sometimes you turn on the news and you think, well, this guy's going to be in the Hall of Fame and he's retired and everything. He's the most valuable player it's he's still in preseason. I mean, it looks like he's going to make the team, but what kind of impact is he going to have and everything else? And it's like the practices are what really matter right now. And for Cam Newton to, like you said, basically voluntarily take him out of that after the season that he's coming off of with a highly touted quarterback
1: coming in, it's a dicey game to play. Yeah, it is a dicey game. We know how the fans feel. Because they gave Mac Jones today innovation, you know, when, when he comes in the games, you know, here in the preseason. And Cam Newton is is not loved there in New England. He's really he's not loved anywhere. He's not he's not considered but, a patriot quarterback. No. But as far as the Patriots go and Bill Belichick, I mean he's gonna go with the guy that he thinks that, that is better right now. But down the road, Cam Newton will not be a patriot next year. No. No way in the world. And you know what it would surprise me if Cam Newton's not a patriot at some time during this season. And if Mac Jones shows that he can get the job done, he's going to be the guy. He's, he's the guy in New England eventually. It just, it's just a matter of, of when and what time Bill Belichick says, okay, uh, you're the guy. And if you've got to take some lumps, that's fine. And you got to remember, too, he's got Brian Hoyer, who knows that Patriot system inside and out. He's with his second or third stint with the team. Belichick's fine with Hoyer. I think he'd be perfectly fine to go Mac Jones and Hoyer and a practice squad guy as his quarterback guys. I think he'd be totally fine with that right now. But to give credit to Cam Newton, he has showed up. He looks a lot better this year. Apparently he did work with his his quarterback coach, George Whitfield, who's really cleaned up a lot of the mechanics. So it's hard to gauge what we've seen. I, I crack up when people say, he's looked great this preseason. Well, it's preseason. You're getting limited snaps. And pretty much you're going against, you know, garbage, you know, cause everyone's resting players, offense and defensive, you know, side of the ball. So you've got to just, you know, chill, you know, on all the praise, you know, that you're getting, and we'll get into some other camps here in a minute, but you know, back to the COVID situation here, we talk about Cam Newton taking himself out of it because he doesn't want the vaccine. Cole Beasley is another one, very outspoken. And he's with the Buffalo bills right now. He is a dynamic receiver, but he's taking himself out of action with Buffalo because he doesn't want the vaccine. Yeah, uh, Cole
2: Beasley actually came out and said, I may die of COVID, COVID, but I'd rather die actually living. I mean, he has basically come right on and said, I'm not getting it. There's nothing you can do to make me get it. He is completely against it. And again, that's his right. But is Cole Beasley a big enough superstar that the Buffalo Bills think that they can't win without him or that if somebody else comes up and can take his place or something like that. And Cole Beasley right now, I believe is out because he had some contact tracing with another coach who's actually been vaccinated, but has COVID and now he's going to be sitting in a hotel room or quarantine for five days or whatever. So again, you can do whatever you want to, but there's choices and consequences and, When it's not just your job on the line, but every other person in that locker room, you know, I'm just wondering when we're going to start having some closed-door meetings with some of the teams and some of these guys that are vaccinated and that going, look, you guys either need to get on the page or get off the train, you know, because we're leaving a station here and we can't have all these interruptions and everything else out there. I I, I know that it's still a hot-button issue. But especially now that Pfizer's been approved by the FDA, and I know a lot of people, because a lot of people said, well, once it's approved by the FDA, everyone's going to be getting it. No, they're not, because a lot of these people were just using that as an excuse. There's a ton of people out there that do not believe in the vaccine, that actually think it's a bad thing, that the government's intentionally poisoning us, which kind of makes me laugh, because then the whole world's poisoning everybody, because it's not just a United States thing. I don't know what's going to happen this season. And again... When Cam Newton says, oh, it's a personal choice, or, you know, Cole Beasley at least does come right out and said, I don't want to do it. But it's not going to be that difficult to find out the guys that are and aren't vaccinated or that do or don't have the COVID
1: because they're going to be the guys sitting out because they didn't go by the NFL protocols. Lamar Jackson is another one. A guy who got COVID twice last year.
2: Okay, and 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 we'll be at the Legion Stadium for Game One because I know right. some people. Are, oh, well, you got to bet the Raiders in that game because of Mark. No, it's the NFL Players Association. He's still going to be able to play there. Yeah. He's not a fan in the stand. He doesn't have to fill out all the paperwork on that. Mm-hmm. Now, some people think that's hypocritical, but that's a whole different topic. Well, there
1: are two different standards, even if you're a player, though. Absolutely, I mean, we're seeing this with Cam Newton the exa- exact same way. I mean, you know these guys. He's got to go through five days of this stuff now, even though he's, you know, tested, you know, negative. But if you're vaccinated, you don't have to go through that. You don't have to go through that period. So it, it, it can affect, you know, Lamar Jackson if he comes down with it again, or there's contact tracing or whatever it is. He's going to miss games. Absolutely. But if, you're, if you're vaccinated, you, you can play. So that's why all of these teams want to have their guys vaccinated. They want 100 percent of their teams vaccinated. Just not football teams. We talked about this with Bill Lambeer and the Aces. I mean, they were on the first teams. Everybody was vaccinated. No worries about it. No coincidence that they haven't had anybody miss any games you know, for COVID and really any serious injury. Now, Angel McCaudry got injured in the preseason, but they've been injury-free. No COVID issues at all. Oh, and by the way, who's got the best record in the WNBA? Just saying. It's Las Vegas Aces. So They're correlated. And the Ravens have several guys besides Lamar Jackson, one of their featured running backs, uh, same way, refuses to be vaccinated. And they continue to win in the preseason because, well, that's what they do. They've won 19 games in a row now. But, you know, this this thing could uh, become a big factor in the locker room, you know, when you're going to have a division with your own players saying, listen, man, I'm vaccinated. I got kids. I got my family. Uh, Lamar, You need to get vaccinated. You're right. It's a hot-button topic, and it's not going to go away. But, you know, certain guys are going to stand pat with this thing, but the bottom line, they're hurting themselves, they're potentially hurting their family, and they're definitely hurting their team. Well, you know, I'm curious, too, and this just popped in my mind,
2: and I doubt it would happen, but could you envision a time when certain teams, because, again, the player has the right to not get vaccinated, Are we going to at some point potentially see locker rooms split up of vaccinated lockers over here and keep the other unvaccinated people away from them a little bit more or something? Because that would certainly make it pretty much impossible to say, well, it's a personal issue. Well, then how come you're over here on this side of the locker room or whatever like that? Because, again, if you're coaching that and you mention, okay, Jackson, the running back, how how many people, if they all get hit with it or something like that, Then you're looking at, well, how many people can we afford before we have to start forfeiting a game or our skill position players aren't there? Some of these teams might have to start getting creative to protect themselves from people getting suspended, even if, like you said, they're not testing positive. But if they've been in contact with somebody that is, if they're not vaccinated, they still get the quarantine. I don't know how they're going to circumvent it and go through this year. But I'm I'm sure that right now, almost every team out there is trying to look at contingency plans and everything, To Well, if this happens or that happens, what are we going to do? Because it's a whole different
1: world. Pretty easy to find out the guys that are vaccinated and not vaccinated, too, because you see guys like rolling into practice here at training camp. The guys that have the masks on, well, they're the ones that haven't been vaccinated. The guys that are rolling around just, you know, normal, they're vaccinated. So, again, yeah, there already is that divide Already in training camp. And
2: again, Same with it, the media, right? I believe the media, the, the, the unvaccinated, they have to wear the mask, and they're farther away from the field and different things Well, like I, that.
1: I believe all media, they still want all media wearing the masks. Yeah. So, and, you know, we're seeing that, like, in press boxes at all the events as well, too. So, yeah, uh, we'll continue to uh, watch the story. But bottom line is for the New England Patriots, Mac Jones uh, has an opportunity to, to win this job, possibly in the next four or five days. Now. I fully believe that Bill Belichick will come back and say okay you know cam you're going to start w- week number one but it's giving him the opportunity to see what Mac Jones can do on a daily basis with the number ones and he'll have the quicker trigger the quicker hook now too if cam if something happens with with Cam Newton so we'll continue to watch out plenty of other quarterback battles and I really can't remember the last time that we've seen NFL teams head into the final, preseason game where you've got like four or five teams that still haven't named their starting quarterback. Uh, today, the Chicago Bears named their quarterback though, and uh, amongst a little bit of controversy, they decided to go with Andy Dalton as the week 1 starter over Justin Fields, and there's a big debate here, you know, with Matt Nagy. You know, Matt Matt, Matt Nagy needs to win right away or Matt Nagy's not going to have a job. And they know that Justin Fields is the future for the Bears. And with that offensive line right now, there is a school of thought that they're throwing Andy Dalton out to the Wolves, a guy that really doesn't have much mobility, a guy in his 30s right now, and they're starting him so Justin Fields can kind of just be waiting in the wings, and hopefully that offensive line can get a little bit better. But there's another school of thought that says, listen, if you truly want to win... And you need to get your guy acclimated to game speed, and you're going to play him anyway. Maybe you should throw him out there and let him start week one. I don't know how you feel. You're a Bears fan here, but uh, you know neither guy has really been you know overly impressive you know during during the course of this preseason because the Bears got drilled what 41 to 15 against Buffalo, and that was kind of like a, an FU coming you know back from uh, you know Mitch Trubisky, Mitch Trub- Trub- Trubisky from uh, Buffalo, and he kind of stuck it to the Bears. But the Bears are a mess right now. But uh, Nagy said, Dalton, you're the starter. Go get it. Well, he did say that, but now I just read, too, that they said
2: Fields is going to start the final preseason game. So there's definitely some mixed messages being well, sent. Well, that, that's because he's arresting all the starters. Right, right, right. But, yeah. but, but I'm saying it's like – and I'll tell you what. If you are a Bears fan like myself and you watched that last game against Buffalo, and I didn't watch every snap of it, but I saw some of it and I saw some of the highlights in that – when you saw Fields get absolutely laid out on that field by one of the Buffalo uh, blitzing linebackers, you were thinking, "Boy, this guy's season might be over now." So I don't know what that fine line is. Do you throw him in there with the Wolves? I know a lot of people told me last year, "Oh, they got Andy Dalton now." So you're, I would have, to be honest with you, I would have rather just stayed with Trubisky for this season. I don't think they're going to win anyhow. He already knows the system. You're paying Dalton a lot of money, so and you don't want him to do the backup here. He's certainly not your quarterback of the future. And what did he do last year with Dallas? Everybody keeps on telling me, well, he had a good year when Prescott. No, he didn't. That's why they want to get Prescott back there. Andy Dalton can't move. He doesn't have skills anymore. Oh, well, he had a good season his first year with Cincinnati. How many years ago was that or whatever? I'm not sold on Andy Dalton whatsoever. Um, I think Fields has a potential. But I do think right now he didn't do himself any favors after week one when he said the speed in the NFL wasn't that fast. And, uh I, I'm scared for a safety out there. I know Willie Galt said throw him in right now. And again, Troy Aikman was, what, 1-15 in 15 his first season? So, yeah. you know, maybe you don't have to win, but like you said,
1: maybe Fields doesn't have to win his first year, but Nagy does. Absolutely. Matt Nagy said this, too. He goes, here's this quote. We don't want to do to Justin Fields what the Cincinnati Bengals did to Joe Burrow. I think Chicago fans would totally understand that. Well, you can do that. Uh, you know, I get that. But if you feel that Justin Fields is your best quarterback – and he's got the skill set and he's learned your system then you go with him. I mean, you know, more than likely the Jacksonville Jaguars will go with Trevor Lawrence, probably not the best quarterback. Gardner Minshew might be better at this point in time right now. We see what the Jets are doing. They're going to go with Wilson because, you know, there there's other guys that have more snaps, have more experience than Wilson, but he's looked decent, you know, but they're banged up too. So, at this point in time, you you got to go with who you feel is your best quarterback, and maybe who is your future. And that's why I probably wouldn't hesitate, if I'm Bill Belichick, to go with Mac Jones as well, too. I get it. Cam Newton, okay, he's been in a Super Bowl, he's been an MVP. I get that. But still, he doesn't fit really what you're trying to do. So, tough questions, tough decisions for these head coaches.
2: Well, and for Nagy to say that, that we don't want to do to Fields what they did to Burrow. well, that's more of a – a charge against your line and the protection and everything else out there. Burrow was having a good season and looked really good till he got hurt. Right. So if you think that's the problem, then you know if if I'm Andy Dalton, I'm going. So wait. So I'm the sacrificial lamb. So we get a line good enough to protect yeah. Justin Fields. Because guess what? Andy Dalton's going to get hit regardless. He's probably going to get hit more than Justin Fields. So at what point then do you think they're good enough? Because if you think that the line is that bad and everything. Andy Dalton's going to get knocked out at some point. He ain't less than
1: seventeen yeah. games, and that's pretty weak uh, uh, excuse as far as Matt Nagy goes to compare that. Because you're right, Burrow was playing great, and he got an injury. And was that the offensive line's fault? Is that what he's trying to say? He's trying to say, oh, well, Cincinnati kind of ruined, you know, uh, you know, Joe Burrow. I mean, that that is a weak analogy. It's a weak analogy, yeah. and it's also, and,
2: and again, if I'm a lineman or somebody else, I'm going, wait a second. Yeah how did
1: how did we get thrown into yeah. this situation? Yeah. All right, we come back. Showtime. Sean Porter joins us. Love talking to the two-time welterweight champ. We'll uh, revisit Pacquiao Ugas. He was on the broadcast crew with that. And what's next for Showtime? Big announcement, his next fight. This is Showtime. Sean Porter,
3: you know I'm tuning into the T.C. Martin Show.
1: All right, we saw the fight on Saturday night, along with 17,438 at T-Mobile Arena. Yes, everybody was out. The Freaks came out at night, and Showtime. Sean Porter was part of the PBS broadcast, of the PBC broadcast on Fox as well, too, so we're going to get his thoughts on that. The two-time welterweight champ. The Las Vegas native taking some precious time out of his training schedule to join us today. My man, Showtime Sean P., what's up?
3: I love how you call it, precious time. <laughs> I saw good, man. I'm in between workouts right now, so I got all the time for you.
1: It is precious, and I and I realize that, man. I mean, you are in training, brother, so I, I do appreciate you. We wanted to try to have you on last week. Uh we know your schedule is crazy because you're doing double time getting ready uh you know to broadcast the fight uh with PBC last week and Fox and of course uh, you just got back from the Olympics and you're in the midst of training man I don't know how you do it.
3: I don't know either man uh what God built me to do man I, I like to stay busy and I like to stay busy doing things that that uh, bring me success. So uh there's that man let me ask you did you did you see Saturday night turning out the way that it did?
1: Uh I I predicted a distance fight. I knew it would be close. Uh and I was and I but I was picking Pacquiao to win a close decision. But I, I, I did say that it was gonna go the distance. Uh but you know, here's what I said, Sean leaned up to it. And I based everything that I've seen with U- Ugas was your fight against Ugas, and I referenced that a whole bunch of times leading up to the fight last week, saying Ugas gave Sean everything he could handle. I remember you praising him you know, when we had you on the show after you defeated him. It was a close decision. It was a split decision. You definitely won the fight, but Ugas, as you said, leading up to that fight, he can fight, so it did not surprise me that we were going to get a vintage performance from Ugas. I was just hoping and thinking that we'd get a little bit more vintage, you know, um, performance from Manny Pacquiao.
3: Yeah, I think um, Manny just uh, he didn't show up, and you know, everybody wants to, to uh, attribute it to his age. And I, you know, I don't want to be unfair to Manny Pacquiao. If anything, mean, I'm biased. I mean, before the, the the fight started, they said, "Hey, we're going to do predictions," which we had not, we had planned not to do. And I said, Manny, in five rounds. Like, I mean, like, I, I really want him to win that fight for a number of different reasons. But I just really feel like he wasn't prepared for the fight. I know at the end he says his legs. And I know that everybody looks at his age. And, you know, we all know that, you know, the, the saying is true. You know, it happens overnight. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I really think that Zuzugas was well prepared. And I think that he presented some things to Manny that Manny didn't expect with the corner. And even with that Hall of Fame corner, I don't think that they can make any of adjust- the adjustments necessary to uh, beat your Yudinny's.
2: Do you think there's any um, credence to the thought that because Manny was uh, getting ready for Spence Jr. that it's a completely different type of fighter and maybe that's why he wasn't as ready for Ugas? Or was, did Ugas just have a brilliant game plan that he stuck to the whole time and made it work?
3: Number one, brilliant game plan. He stuck to it and it, and it worked. Uh, fabulously but number two i really do feel like uh manny was getting ready for for errol smith jr i think he was preparing for a different type of fight and i think that if you go and you take a look at your Dennis Ugas's, uh fights if you look at them on youtube whatever you see you see your Dennis being very dominant but not really fighting the way that he fought on saturday night so even when you when they tried to prepare for you, e Dennis, I must, I'm i I'm, I, I, I think it's safe to say that he did some things that they didn't expect in the, in the fight. And so, with that being said, again, going back to what you said to start the question, a uh, 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 unbelievable game plan by these two guys in this team.
1: Showtime. Sean Porter joins us. Sean in training, the two-time welterweight champ, and of course, Fox, PBC, and NBC uh, boxing uh, analyst. The final thing here, Sean, on the Pacquiao. Ugas fight here again I, I think that you know Manny complained about his legs uh, we didn't see that that normal footwork from Manny Pacquiao it looked like yeah. he just could not get inside but Ugas really I mean he was the bigger fighter that night he did some things that he did against you but I think you know in this fight yeah I, you know maybe he was more polished I don't know what it was but it just seemed like that he was more prepared for Pacquiao than Pacquiao was for Ugas
3: yeah, and, and, you know, just to speak again to Manny, you know, they never gave any indications in camp that something was wrong. And should they, we, uh, we never really want to tell our uh, business whether well, that's to keep it away from the opponent or to keep it away from anyone who may have something to say, whatever the case may be. But they gave every indication that they were ready to knock out Idenzu guys. They gave every indication that this was the best training camp that they had, they said they trained harder for this than they did for, for Keith Thurman. Maybe it backfired on him. Uh, but Manny did say uh, his legs were hurting, and that was one thing we didn't see Manny from the opening bell. We never saw him really use his legs. We did see some moments where he tried to fight in a spurt and get at you, Deniz Ugas, but for the most part, he didn't use his legs—not the way that we're used to see him use them. So I do think that there was something behind that, but. You know, when you don't give any indication that anything's wrong, then it becomes an excuse Mm -hmm. at the end of the day. And, again, I don't mean to disrespect uh, the legend, but I I just really have to say that I think the game plan took them by surprise. And, you know, I don't know if anybody knows that, knows this, but we we get into a rhythm. And if we don't get into a rhythm, sometimes you don't see the best of us. And so, you guys, he never allowed Manny to find a rhythm. And with that being said, we never got to see this Manny Pacquiao, you know, so who knows if this is the last one, but if it is, I I think he went out, uh, Manny Pacquiao went out the best way he could.
1: All right, Sean, let's ask you, what's next for each fighter? And let's start with Manny Pacquiao. Do you think Manny gets in the ring again? And we know he's going to take some time off, relax. He's thinking about... Again, running for president in the Philippines. Does he maybe have a, a final goodbye farewell fight in the Philippines? Or, you know, again, he did look good enough, and maybe the opponent just wasn't right or the legs had something. And we know that you're always going to get a great effort from Manny Pacquiao, but do you think he deserves uh, a shot either against, you know, um, whether it's Earl Spence Jr., yourself, Crawford, or somebody else? Because obviously those are the guys he wants to fight.
3: I, you know, I had a crazy thought yesterday while I was doing an interview. Uh, option A is for Manny to retire. Uh, Brian Keeney, BK, he said the best on air. He said Manny, he said Manny Pacquiao has had two Hall of Fame careers. And when he said that to me, it was like a big slap in the face. And I looked at Keith Thurman. I said, man, this is crazy. We're fighting for one Hall of Fame career. And this man literally has two Hall of Fame careers. With that being said, option A, retire. But... If you don't retire, I think option B should be the rematch with Zugas. I think it, I think the first one turned out so well that people would expect uh, a, a great fight. Even though I think a lot of people thought that this one wasn't the fight that it was going to be, it lived up to expectations and over uh, exceeded those expectations. I would say rematch with zugas do, do it in the Philippines at home, be your, show your greatness, make your adjustments, and go out there and, and hopefully beat. Give them Ugas and retire in the Philippines. I love
1: that idea. So yeah, yeah. Like I said, you know both fighters very well. You again, you went twelve rounds with Ugas. Um again, your your thoughts on him as a as a fighter. Did he show you something on Saturday night that it was a little bit different than when you fought him when you're going toe to toe with him, or was it the same guy? No, no. Uh absolutely. I I well not to not to give too much say too much so okay,
3: so here's what I know. I know that Cuban fighters are systematic and what I mean by that is whatever they do, they do it well and they're not gonna change. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, we did see your Dennis Ugas's uh, uh, game plan. We saw that it was a fantastic game plan, but if we look at it, he was systematic. He didn't do anything different mm-hmm. from what he had, what he planned to do. And I think his game plan against me was to fight me in the middle of the ring. And when that didn't happen for him, he got frustrated. He started to bang his gloves. He tried to force me to fight. But he tried to force me to fight in the middle of the ring. He never made an adjustment to make me fight any other fighting style than the fight that I wanted to fight, which is why we felt comfortable. We felt like we won that fight, and we didn't feel like it was a split decision. That being said, I do think that he did some things differently against Manny Pacquiao. It impressed me, but I do think that he has to be able to have multiple game plans in a fight in order for him to beat me, in order for him to beat uh, Erosman Jr., definitely in order for him to beat Keith Thurman because I know that Keith is going to come in the ring with multiple things to do. I think that end of us at the top, man, we, we have what it takes to do multiple things in the ring. I think that Manny just wasn't prepared to do anything more than what he did. Uh but again, I think that uh was a fantastic job by uh by uh Yuri But I think that he's gotta be prepared to do more than just one thing and of course his entire surge in order to beat anybody else uh at the elite level in a once weight division.
2: You know, it's interesting because I just had a strange thought when you were talking about how Manny could maybe end his career by getting the rematch in the Philippines with Ugas, uh, essentially winning back the belt that he never lost in the ring until actually last Saturday. And then if he retired afterwards, then he'd be giving up the belt again right away too. So it'd kind of go vacant again. So it'd kind of do the whole 360 uh, mode of it. But uh, do you think Ugas would be willing to fight him down there in the Philippines on his home turf since he's the champ?
3: Absolutely. I 100% know. Pay that man because he's worth it. Pay that man because he deserves it. And make a fight happen in the Philippines because that's what Manny's worth and what Manny deserves. And I think that that is a fight, a rematch, actually, that could go down in history. Uh, there's been Manny's had plenty of rematches that, that have been historic, and that this one could, could hit that list
1: as well. Yeah, and I think Ugas is was so genuine in thanking. He realizes that if it wasn't for Manny giving him the opportunity on Saturday night, he wouldn't be in this position. So, oh, for sure. So that's why I do. I think I agree with Sean that I think Ugas would say, "Hey, yeah, I, I would fight." And that. I wasn't
2: saying I didn't. No, I just I that's why I yeah. just posed the question out there.
1: All right, my man. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, because
2: I'm sorry to cut
3: nope. you off, but no, yeah, at the end of the day. People are always worried about fighting in someone's cornered back So, But I think that your dentist is – I think that he's the kind of man that will fight anyone, anywhere, at any time. And I think that that, that's – I I, I, really love that scenario for both fighters. I really do.
1: Yeah, Showtime Sean Porter joins us. All right, you are in training, taking time out of your schedule to do it. And uh, the WBO has a purse bid coming up here in a couple weeks. Showtime, Sean Porter, Terrence Crawford. What can you tell us uh, about this that's going on with the purse bid, and uh, what can you tell us, man, about this fight actually happening, and when's it going to happen?
3: Well, what I can tell you is that I saw a post that the WBO was going to broadcast that uh, bid live. I just think that that is uh, that's, it's crazy to me. I don't know if that's ever happened before, but, um, that's what I'm expecting to see. Uh, I know as much as uh, everybody else that there's going to be a purse bid that is going to be live on Facebook, mm-hmm. and uh a quarter. Uh, uh, will happen because the WBO has mandated it, and uh, I don't know when, I don't know where, and I don't know who's going to be promoting it mm-hmm. until that purse bid happens. But I'm looking forward to it.
1: That's true. That we don't, we know that's part of the the deal. That uh, is the the deal with the purse bid. You don't know who's going to be promoting. It could be anybody who promotes this. Uh, now,
2: wait a second. Is your promoter hat coming back on? Is this TC Martin promotion? That's it.
1: From from that's it. The, the, out of the wrestling world into the ring. Listen, uh, I promoted boxing matches. I, I uh, Sean, can I, can I get about a uh, $50 million loan so I can promote this <laughs> fight? I can't do it. I can't do it. But I did see that they're starting the minimum at two,
3: 200000 And I said, well, shoot, a uh, point of promotion might be able to get into it uh, for a
2: little while. So we'll see what happens. There you go, man. There you go. <laughs> oh, TC's got that in his tip jar for Hanks. <laughs>
1: All right, man. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. All right, so you're training. Are you training right now? Are you training 100% for Terrence Crawford? Oh, 100%. -hmm. I'm I'm, I'm training because my dad's got some other guys out
3: here, uh, young guys, and he's keeping me moving, keeping me on my toes. So, you know, at the end of the day, this is what I do. Even if uh, there wasn't anything – Uh, being mandated by the WBO I still will be Mm training and uh, staying in shape and staying ready for uh, whenever that call comes Mm -hmm. Uh, just so happens that this one has been made very public Mm -hmm. and uh, I'm I'm even enjoying that side of it so uh, I'm going to keep training and keep staying ready, and uh, I do expect uh, to hear something soon.
1: Okay, and we know a lot of this is out of your hands, but let's just say I want to know what Sean Porter wants. What does Showtime want as far as, okay, you want Terrence Crawford. When do you want this fight? Where do you want this fight, if it's up to you?
3: No, no, no. I I, I would love to fight before the end of the year. I do know that um, there's been an announcement that the Plant-Canelo fight, I believe, is going to be in November uh so I, I would say hey i'm sure a month in november if not not to december uh before christmas because uh, i am a family man and that's family time yep. and uh if i had it my way i would be fighting right down the street uh if i had it my way i'd be fighting in the, in the regular stadium so yeah, right. there's that <laughs> there you
2: go my man awesome you, you know it's interesting too that uh you're doing this interview between training sessions because we're also doing it the only difference is you do multiple training sessions a day we're we're in you know we're in between like a couple year training sessions, but we'll be back in the gym someday.
1: <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah, I'm training. Yeah, yeah, this is yeah. in between my food training sessions. What are you talking about? Yeah,
2: going on the food tour all over the place <laughs> isn't really the same type of training that Showtime is doing right now. Okay. Now, now, now see. I'll well, tell you what. Go, go ahead. I heard, I heard the restore. I heard the restore
3: promo. That was smooth. So, ready to show some love to Restore out there in Green Valley. Mm-hmm. I look forward to getting out there soon. I'm doing my training, so there's
1: that. There you go, my man. I said, got to give love to my guy Greg Vaughn and you as well, too, man. So that's that's what we do, man. Bring people together. And, uh, and promote our team here that's what we do and so as you can see nunchuck has been dying because he's never at the cosmopolitan when the last couple times you've been so he's been dying to play these family feud sounds just for you he's been, <laughs> he goes when can i use that's it? That's exactly. it and he goes ask sean a question so we can get a double answer so we can, he can do this yeah. you know
3: yeah, that's
1: classic. <laughs> I love it. All right, man. What's What else is on the horizon for you, man? Hey, I do want to touch real quick. Uh, the Olympic Games, man, you did a fantastic job, even though I feel bad because a lot of people didn't get a chance to watch boxing. It makes me sick. We talked about it earlier that boxing is, doesn't get the type of coverage in the Olympic Games as it used to. And we go back, you know, to the 70s and the 80s, even the 90s, or, you know, that was a big part of the Summer Olympic Games. And, uh, uh, we did get a chance to see uh, you doing the broadcast, and I, I want to know how you felt it went. i tell you what. Uh, the Point Away podcast is going to be broadcasting a lot of amateur boxing
3: uh, up until the next uh, Olympic Games, which I believe they're actually going to do in 2024. Mm-hmm. Uh, with that being said, I thought that um, we did a fantastic job. I thought that we had a lot of fun. And we did the best that we could. I thought that the U.S. team had uh, the best showing at the Olympic Games that they've had in a very long time. It's It's been quite a few quads since we've had the showing that we had this quad. Uh, a lot of people didn't get to see it this time around, but what I'm expecting to do through the Blu-ray podcast is get get America uh, familiar with who's going to the Olympic Games, get everyone behind the boxing program, that way when the next squad comes, hopefully NBC will be willing to push it out a little bit more than they were able to this time around. Of course, because of the uh, the time difference, is always going to be hard uh, to do that. Um, but with that being said, man, I'm hoping to uh, do some things so we, um, that, that, that way the Olympics can get brought up, the Olympic boxing can get broadcast a little bit more than it has in the past. It's always been hard catch the boxing um, but but i I thought we did a fantastic job i thought it was a lot of fun and uh, i thought the nbc uh did a, did a great job as well uh doing the best that they could to get everyone over here to see it
2: i know that a lot of people were saying that this was the best u.s boxing team since 2000 do you know right off the top of your head what the final numbers were for medals and everything else because it seemed like they were competitive in a lot of there, but couldn't quite get to the top of the mountain
3: I, I mean I, I thought man, I thought everybody did a great job. We brought back uh three silvers and one bronze. And I know that uh by the number that that may not or or you know, it may not sound as good as it was to me. Uh but I do think that um the the, the that uh this this is kinda of the change to turnaround for the Olympics to come. I know that you guys know that I'm a big Browns fan, so you know, I, I, the number one thing that's kind of echoes throughout Cleveland is a change in the in the in the in the, uh, in the camp, and a um, uh, change. Uh, I can't I can't get the the the, the, the expression that they use right now, but I think that same expression can be uh, can be mimicked. About the Olympic boxing, because I definitely think that there's going to be a change, uh, and, and, and we're going to start to bring back some more medals, more silvers, more golds, and definitely uh, more bronze medals.
1: Showtime, Sean Porter, uh, Fox, PBC, NBC Olympics—great stuff, oh, and,
3: man! And I, and I got one more for you. are going to be—I'm going to be, I'm gonna be uh, broadcasting the next thriller event: uh, Oscar De La Hoya's. Next
1: fight out there in in L A. So you can add Triller to to the uh, to the list now. <laughs> you can add Triller, you and Jim Lampley, right? Because Lampley's coming back. Yeah. That's, that'll be good. Yeah. Well, now yep. you, you just you, gave, you, you you gave me a, a reason to tune in. Now I was actually thinking about possibly going down to the Staples Center, you know, for, for that fight. Mm-hmm. But I, I do I want to see De La you know, uh, fight this guy. I don't know, but uh, maybe maybe I'll just stay home and watch you broadcast it. How's that?
3: I would love for you to do that. My dad never stays home. He's like, oh, i watch it I'm like, nah, God, listen to me live. Yeah. He you. Yeah, either way, man. Just come in. Hopefully I see
1: you. If not, uh, we'll, we'll be talking soon. I'm sure. All right, man. It, it was great. And I was looking for you Saturday night. I go, where's showtime? I know he's on the broadcast. He's got to be on a perch somewhere. Is he on the floor? No, is he on the concourse? Was, is he upstairs? I had a hard time finding I was you, man. everywhere. <laughs> I was everywhere. So I was locked up. It's somewhere where
3: nobody could find me, and then they ran me down for the main event. I, I, mean, I just had a ball, man. I, I'm very fortunate to be able to, if this is Manny Pacquiao's last fight, call it, and if not, I, I got an opportunity to call a great Manny Pacquiao and the Dennis O'Goss wpa matchup so that was really
1: cool you got it brother okay man appreciate you as always we'll let you get back to training thanks for taking the time we'll get you uh, back at the cosmopolitan here in a few weeks for football season so we could talk some nfl and talk some browns how's that sounds good man we'll talk soon take care brother all right Later. showtime sean porta two-time welterweight champ and it is official he's getting ready he's tuning up he's training For Terrence Crawford the fight that he's been wanting the fight we've been talking about forever the fight that we really couldn't come out and talk about and promote until it was official and it's up for a purse bid with the WBO and they'll be doing that on September the 2nd for the purse bid to find out who will promote it where it will be when it'll be but we know for sure Showtime Sean Porter Terrence Crawford are getting in the ring two very good friends and two of the best welterweights in the business finally happening.
2: Dr. Promotions back in the ring. Don't miss it. Who's on the undercard? Stay tuned. Could be you and Nunchuk.
1: There it is in a handicap match. What do you think of that? My handicap is
2: I don't move so well
1: anymore. <laughs> That's why it's a handicap. <laughs> All right. I want to thank Sean Porter for joining us. Also, Houston Nut. Uh, can go back and listen to the website at any time. That'll be up a little bit later on at tcmartinshow.com. The interviews, the blogs, the information, it's all up there. And we're going to get ready for some football picks. The best bets will be right around the corner as well, too. So uh, very proud of that because all of our crew always... Does very, very well in the best bets during the college and the NFL football season.
2: I just want to know if Sean Porter's going to be doing this triller, or is he going to be doing a lounge act before the fights like our friend Al Bernstein
1: does before the fights? Sean's got a lot on his plate right now. Uh, you know, I don't know if singing is one of them. but uh, He might have a lot on his plate, but he can't eat very much because he's in training. You got that right. <laughs> got to make that weight. 147. All right. Glad uh, for you to join us. We'll back at it again tomorrow at 2 o'clock. Thank you very much, and we'll catch you tomorrow for Ballpark Frank, T.C. Martin, and I'm Chuck. See ya mañana. What's that?